What's up my fellow scruffy looking nerf herders and welcome to the Carbonite Chat. Today we're going to be talking about chapter 22 of The Last Jedi. Now some of these topics are going to seem somewhat repetitive from prior topics that I've discussed. Some that I feel still need to be talked about. But largely it's because I'm just going through this book and it's repetitive. It repeats the same mistakes. It furthers further problems that I mentioned prior. And so it's, it's, it's hard not to talk about it. You know, if I didn't talk about it, I would not truly be reviewing this novel as it deserves to be reviewed. And two of the biggest issues in this chapter that are just kind of expanded upon and continued is the issue with this third wave form of just feminism and it's ideology being you know overset over the movie where constantly it's only the women that ever have the bright ideas even though <laughs> they tend to not be very good people or and then how they're constantly looking down on the failure men that never do anything right and then as well with the racism or the stereotypical race, the way that Finn is portrayed throughout the movie. These are all just expounded upon in this. And the only other thing that really happens in this chapter is yet again another repeat of you know what I ranted on yesterday. Where Luke had just had his turn. Where he had connected back to the Force. And had seen that he needed to join and go with Rey and was sure of it the force had told him this is what the force was trying to tell him apparently this began with his stupid dream that was nothing but you know an enjoyment by ryan johnson to write a story in which the old trilogy never happened and then he just turns it all around and after being so sure that he's like running to ray hoping she has it left so that she can go with him because he knows he needs to join with them he then gets there and decides not to and then immediately afterwards he's just going to go back to burning down the tree with all the Jedi text. It's just, it makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense why they added that into the book. At least then it's just Jake Skywalker being Jake Skywalker. But then you made it like he was Luke again and then tried to do it. It's it's a double, it's just, it's, it's, it's awful. It's terrible. And then the more contradictions as you go on, you know, Yoda showing up, he burns the temple, which is not the temple, the tree, which is what Luke was about to do. And then Yoda mocks the Jedi text as well, because we got to mock the text. We got to mock the basis of what Star Wars was built off of. And we got to do it with the big characters. And then, you know, Luke's embarrassed. He feels like a Padawan. And... Then Yoda tries to tell him about something about his master, you know, the masters, you know, the, the, they are what we, you know, they grow beyond us or whatever. Luke didn't train Rey. He's not her master. The books made it quite clear. If anything, she's been teaching him lessons because, as I said, feminism. Then when it goes to Yoda continuing to mock this, he says, have you read them? Page turners, they are not. <laughs> and Luke is the one that freaks out and is like, they're the Jedi tags. But you were about to burn them yourself. You want them to end. Why are you acting like they matter now? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, 
it makes zero sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's just absolutely mind-boggling. But let's get into kind of the meat of this chapter, which begins with Poe. And Poe was going to try to help. It's the last ship we see kind of getting blown up by the First Order. And they're trying to evacuate them and get them onto the Rattus. And then it's just the Rattus and nothing else. And Poe was trying to get on the ship to go help them escape. You know, being a positive example. You know, going and doing work. Because one of the, the great thing about this is a lot of the arguments when I did my video about Poe being a hero. And that he actually didn't really do anything wrong and how the movie completely just mis, you know, misportrayed him like crazy and it was a response to the nerdist articles on that he, he was the example of toxic masculinity and all of Star Wars is an example of toxic masculinity and that everything would be better if they would just listen to the women. It sounds insane and I, I'm in an insane universe where I'm having to discuss this in Star Wars. I don't want to but I have to cover these topics because this is what's been forced into it and this is what all the other media sites are talking about so when people try to say oh you're trying to you know project this on I, i'm not it's this is what's the overall discussion is being had by everyone most of them are giving it a positive thought they think that it's positive that this is happening but it it's not and it's it's the typical you know oh, we're making things equal when you're not and it's it's as clear as could ever be in this chapter and so responding to those, I said the same thing with the one argument a lot of people had was, you know, yeah, she didn't do that great, but he should have just, looks like he should have gone and, you know, done something. You know, he should have just followed orders and did what he should do in his situation. Well, the book makes it like that's what he's doing. Like, yeah, he set it up and told Finn and Rose to go do that, which they are the ones that came to him with the plan. And so he was like, yeah, sure, that's what y'all want to do. Go, go do that. Go do that. But then in the meantime, he's the one trying to help people get from one ship to the other before the ship's destroyed so that they can survive and live. He finds himself constantly trying to lift up those characters and lift up those people to make them have a sense of hope. But yet he can't because there is no hope. <laughs> there's, there's none that's going on right now. And so this is what he's doing. What Holder's doing is, is nothing. <laughs> And then the other thing she's doing, which is just mind-boggling to me, she has set it to where he can't go. He couldn't go get on the next ship. His name would not pop up to, for whatever reason, so dumb. They're trying to flee and get away at this point, but they have some type of TSA checklist thing that if your name's not on the manifest, you can't get inside to go help other people. Shouldn't they just take him in, like, hey, man, we need... We need 10 people now to go over there, try to get on that ship, get as many people out, get as much stuff out as we can before it's blown up. Who's there? Let's go. Let's take them. But no, there's a manifest that Poe's name's not on there. That when they looked in, they found out that Holdo had had it set to where he he could it would never show his name to be able to go help. It was made so that he could not go and help. So she wants to know heroic acts. Later on, she'll say... She doesn't want any brash acts. Yet, she makes it so that he's not capable of doing any normal tasks at all. <laughs> he can't help in the rescue. There, there are no starships for him. There are no starfighters to go out and start trying to blow stuff up as she complains about. There's transports to go pick up people and ferry people back to the other ship. She's made it where he can't do this. What do you expect to happen? This is the highest level 
of incompetency at leadership that you could possibly ever had. And it's funny, and this is, you know, where I go at the beginning, before the movie came out, and then after the movie came out, this this topic was a part of discussion for that Holdo was an example of how women are treated in the office, that they never get respect from their male counterparts, and that they're always just viewed in this negative way because they're women. If they ever try to lead, they're considered bossy bees. <laughs> but this is exactly what Haldo is. Like, it's just, it's not even really questionable. Like, okay, you, you don't have a plan yet. Say, hey, we don't have a plan yet, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to have to be ferrying these people away. You go lead that. Give him something to do. But instead, you do the exact opposite. Someone that you say you feel you know is a hothead and a flyboy that's likely to try, try to do something brash or heroic, you make it in which he can only just sit there and twiddle his thumb while people are all dying around him. You may be a psychopath that doesn't sense feelings or care about people, but he's not. He cares. This is just the irony of the whole thing. That she's supposed to be this strong female leader, but yet it kind of removes some of the more typical things that women are just known for having a higher ability to, on an average, base, average basis, to be able to do over men. You know, the kind of caring, nurturing side. It comes more natural to most women over men. Yeah, it just kind of flips where she doesn't have anything. Like, what positive attributes can you give Holdo? You can't. There's nothing there. There's nothing that she did other than the script saying, hey, she was right and came up with a plan. And she was willing to sacrifice herself at the end, which these are all just kind of forced concepts or ideas to make it seem like she is a good person but none of her actions her character that you see up to that point proves that she's a good person like it doesn't it doesn't matter she has no quality she has no good quality characteristics they're all flaws they're all issues there she's incompetent at every step so poe right after this goes and tries to talk to her yet again pleading to her hey if you have a plan now's the time to lay it out we need to know the plan so he's giving her the benefit of the doubt you've got a plan tell us just let us know he's seen as i've mentioned in prior chapters and it's even obvious in the novel i mean in the movie that she has if you look around, the other characters on there, they're not real comfortable or happy with what's going on either. They would like to have some answers as well. So this isn't just, I don't want to tell Poe. You're, you're hindering your control of an entire ship, which is why it leads to a mutiny. Because as I explained in that video I mentioned before, Poe has earned the trust and respect of everyone in the Resistance. Holdo is just a new implant put in there for no reason at all. She just implanted in there. And that's where it's just this discussion of that she's the example of females 
that are in the workforce that aren't treated properly by men and aren't respected by men just completely collapses in on top of itself. Poe was most connected to his mother beforehand. She was a strong female character. She was a pilot in the rebellion. She flew for both Leia and Luke. This is how Leia knew of Poe and brought her brought him under her wing. Then also, as I just mentioned, Leia. He's been under Leia his entire life. Leia and his mother are his two greatest examples to live by. In the prior chapters, his arguments or fights against Holdo was the fact that she was destroying everything that Leia had built up. All these ships that they had, though minuscule by comparison to the First Order, was all solely put together by Leia. Leia fought hard to get all of these things. And Holdo just lets them be all destroyed. And it's Poe that's trying to defend Leia. And Holdo, who supposedly has a relationship with Leia, just kind of mocks the concept. She tells Poe, if you want to follow and serve a princess, why don't you get a bedpan and go in there then? I mean, absolute disrespect at every turn. And so then when he brings this up, of course, she kind of, you know, plays it off, doesn't make any kind of big deal about it, and gives this stupid metaphor as if that does anything. It's kind of the definition of the movie. You're sitting here going, well, what's the answer? What's the point of this? And then there's just a, a metaphor that blindly connects that it's so kind of, you know, esoteric and kind of pulled back and so broad that you can if you want to like it you could say but no this is brilliant look at this and she didn't even say it straightforward it was a metaphor you got to dig deeper but in all actuality it's just you know it's nothing there's n there's nothing there it, it's it's just blank there's no deeper meaning it's it's this fake kind of, you know, pseudo-intellect that's going on here throughout this entire time. And so, of course, then he gets pulled away. And she makes the comments about, like, you know, we don't need brash... You, you confuse brashness with bravery, which it's funny because he seems to be doing exactly what Ray has done. And which is exactly what Luke had said, that's what the Resistance needs. So, you know, again, it's this constant flip-flopping back and forth, and my lights are flickering up. What in the world? Um, it's this constant conflicting stories back and forth of what does the Resistance need? You can't read this book and know for sure. They need someone that's going to jump into action and just go for it. But we don't need brash bravery. <laughs> like, What? It even contradicts itself even more that it talks about Poe as a bad person because of his flying abilities. Yet, it goes even further and it talks about that when Leia first brought him in, that she talked about that as a positive. That most people see this kind of brash action and they misread it for like a cockiness, but that's not true. 
that the passion's often often misread. And what's funny is is these articles that talk about toxic masculinity and that the problem with man is uh, we can't get in touch with our feelings. And yet this whole story is about Poe, who is completely comfortable and wants to focus on doing one thing, doing what he's best at, flying his ship, and helping people in that way. He's constantly being told you can't do that. You need to do something else. It seems like all of the women are trying to make him be something he's not. And then wanting to hate on him for not being able to do the thing that he's not meant to do. But this isn't toxic. Now we roll on further to yet another female character overlooking the male character and looking down on him. Now this is Finn and Rose, of course. And as I mentioned in the last video, Finn is a very, very played out stereotype of like a 1920s, you know, black faced caricature of how people viewed black people back in the old times. And I mean, we're talking old times. <laughs> this, this isn't even like, you know, around when Martin Luther King and, you know, Malcolm X were around. Like, this isn't that time. This is just when we didn't view like there was people that didn't even view black people as like people like they were uh, below we're talking about the nazi can you know kind of thought process that they're an evolutionary step below us that they're just dumb bumbling fools that maybe they can do a little bit here and there and some of them are good and we can pat them on the head and say good boy good boy and that's how Rose treats Finn. Now this is, this is the irony that we go on about where, you know, this, this new type of feminism views themselves so highly and they're almighty and they talk about, they do all these things for like diversity and all this stuff. But really, they're just probably about the most racist people there are. They try to save you know, the black people that need rescuing by them because they're not capable of doing it on their own. And in the end, what they're really saying is that they can't do it on their own and you don't need the white man, you need the white woman. Or in this case, the Asian woman. But the black man is uh, obsessed with the Asian woman. I mean, with the white woman, he just can't get over it. And Rose talks about how how it must feel to be Ray. That he just, this bumbling, what was the exact word? That she's a bumbling goof. That this bumbling goof just follows her around all the time. Poor Ray. I mean, if this isn't racist, I don't know what is. The butt of the jokes, bumbling goof fool. That was a janitor and mop floors. Like, and, and they want to act like this is an improvement from before. But the old trilogy. You had Princess Leia as a leader fully respected. And the J.J. Abrams article where he talks about that. You know we're just you know threatened by women is absurd. And he even brings up that you could look at it and see. And say some of the same things about Leia. Like, completely out of context, maybe. But the difference is that she was written very well. She was shown to be 
you know, earning of the respect given to her, she was shown that the plans that she came up with and the ideas that she went along with tended to work out. She was already a person in power. And the difference between her and Holdo, you say, oh, well, they just said Holdo is a vice admiral. So why can't you just accept her? Because you're saying she's a vice admiral in a story that we know about 70 years of time in. We knew nothing when Leia was there. We're just told she's one of the leaders of the rebellion. She's a princess. And they subverted the princess being saved by the fact that the second she was saved, she then took over and controlled the situation from that point on. But this now with Holdo, when you say she's the vice admiral and then you hint that she's got some battle, well, we, we know all that's going on during this time. She can't fit into that story. It doesn't make sense. We've got all these other characters we know. So when you just play someone in and say that this is who they are, so take it as is, that's the first half of the di dictionary definition of a Mary Sue. That's just an author insert. They just wanted to create this character to place them in there. But they didn't want to put in any work to explain why they deserve to be there. Or why they earned to be there like prior people we've known before. So we've got Finn here though. And he's just played out as this fool. But when you look back and as this is again, this is this elevated diversity that they, they try to act like they've created. That this is the positive side. Look at the benefits here we have. Look at how great this is. The new Star Wars. I mean, we've got female leaders. We've got a main character that's a black character. We're above everyone. Yeah, look at how they've treated the black character. Every female is a terribly done character. Terribly done character. These aren't your Ahsoka Tanas. These aren't your Asajj Ventresses. These aren't your Hera's. And yes, I know Hera is a part of, you know, the Kathleen Kennedy Star Wars. But she doesn't touch TV. She doesn't do much with TV. This is run by Dave Filoni, who was a part of the old guard of Star Wars. One of my favorite characters is Asajj Ventress. This was a small, petite female that was originally a Jedi, much like Rey being a Jedi. But she had feminine qualities. She kind of played along. She used her femininity as an advantage. She would flirt and joke along with the people that she was fighting against in a way to disarm them mentally so that she could take the upper hand and have an advantage. Her, the fact of her being a female was always kind of part of the thing. It, was, it, it always existed. You couldn't switch out her with a male character and it be the same character. This is a good female character. And up to the point where at times she was fighting both Obi-Wan and Anakin. At the same time, but there's not these videos out there about how Asajj Ventress is a Mary Sue or Asajj Ventress is, you know, you know, feminism being forced over Star Wars. Now, why is that? Because this is a character that we saw come from a very powerful family in the Night Sisters from Mother Towson being sold off into slavery 
Again, here we have, we're seeing a character that we've seen suffer. We've seen her at the lowest part. So as she begins to rise up, even if she's on the dark side, we have kind of root for her. We root for the person that's kind of suffered. We, we see that connection where it's like, if they can rise up from that to where they are now, what can I do? That's the, that's the great part of fantasy. To me, one of the greatest moments in Star Wars is Luke looking up to the twin sunsets. It's this desire inside of Saul that we've had that we feel like, you know, he had just had the conversation with Owen and Aunt Beru. And he had been told he couldn't go, but he feels like he's being called to something bigger and greater. And so he goes out and he looks up into the sky. This is, this is where we've all been at some point. Where we felt like we were meant for something greater. We wanted to look and imagine and see the future that we could be capable of achieving. This is what Star Wars was great for. You don't have this anymore. It, there, there is none of that left. Now, Asajj Ventress, she suffered. She was a slave child. And then pirates ended up kind of trying to take over. And then a Jedi came to rescue it. And she ended up working with this Jedi Master for a long period of time. Then the Jedi Master was killed in a fit of anger and rage. She ends up you know, hurting most all of the people around that killed her Jedi Master, but she can't get over this anger, and that's when Count Dooku finds her and trains her up. So she has multiple Masters that's trained her over time. She uses dual lightsaber blades with a Makashi style. Now, Makashi style is one that does not try to use brute strength, but more finesse. When you see the strike, she places a blade to parry it away. Let your momentum force you out of position that allows her to strike. Again, fitting with her femininity, she was small and thin. Now, she, at times of pure anger, would actually lift up and force choke Obi-Wan and Anakin. She could use some strength. I mean, we have stories of this in a moment of adrenaline. A mother can like lift a car to save her children. But when you want to do something that connects and feels right and actually uplifts the young girls, the teenage girls or the preteen girls or whatever that are watching these stories, it needs to be something that they can relate to. Ray is just a droid. <laughs> she has no sexuality. They're trying to force on this Kylo type. Kylo, what is it called? Raylo. Trying to force this Raylo type thing on there. But she's never given any femininity. Now in the books we have her constantly blushing and stuff like that. But see, this is a that's a weak explanation of femininity. That that's not real femininity. Like, you know, yeah, sure, a young girl in front of a guy she has a crush on may blush, but see this is this is a sad explanation. This is what I'm saying. These feminists are trying to act like they're what they're doing is great. But it's just a sad explanation is a sad caricature of women as a whole. Holdo is a terrible example of what a female leader would be. Leia was a positive example of what a female character would be, a strong female lead. It's why she's always been loved and adored. It's why there was not this call for, you know, oh, there's too many women in Star Wars. Oh, this, you know, they're just putting the women over all the men because all the women were over the men in Star Wars. Both Mon Mothma and Princess Leia were in power. And you can say, but those were only two. But yes, this is a war. This is a war. Let's look at the percentages here. 
And let's look at the percentage of historical war over all history. And let's see if they're too far off because they're probably not. But the fact that they placed them in 1970s to have two women leading this, being the heads, the starters of this rebellion, I would say was pretty, pretty ahead of its time. And then you go into somebody like uh, Lando. Now, let's judge back and forth and see who's, who's really doing more to promote positivity and kind of equality across. Finn, a scared coward that runs away at every turn. Someone looked down by every character. As a bumbling fool that can't really, you know, do anything. In this story, you have, in this chapter, you have Rose. Finn walks up and goes, wow, he must be a really good thief if he's able to have such a nice ship. And she just kind of looks at him and is like, really? Say that again. She, I believe the book actually says she looks at him pityingly. And this is what I'm talking about. This is, you know, this is this old style of racism. Like, oh, we're enlightened. So we've got a, you know, porch Negro, as it might be said. Obviously, it wouldn't be said that way, but you get my point. That, because we're enlightened, we let him sit with all the white people and we pat him on the head and say, you're a good boy. If you think this is overdoing it, wait, because I'm getting there. Where it's like, oh, pity. <laughs> He's just, you know, they don't know as much as we do, but we are better because we still like them and the other people don't. This is this is this what's being done with this third wave feminist leadership where they're trying to act like they're so enlightened, but yet they don't have any respect. They don't care about these characters and they they don't care about actually creating someone that if it was true, which it's not, that you could only connect with a character that is both your sex and your race, then they clearly don't care about black people because, I mean... My comments have been kind of full with basically everyone saying that, yeah, this is a terrible character. It's a slap in the face to all black people. Yet, you look back to the original trilogy and you have Lando. Lando being the leader of an entire station, an entire city. Now, you have those that try to hate on the original trilogy and make it seem bad, that take things out of context, that try to put it in and say, yeah, but look, he was the traitor. They put a black guy in and the black guy was a traitor. Man, that's racist. Well, that's just, you're racist and you're putting your spin on it because that's how you view it. That you view because there's a complex situation with a black character that at one point makes him look kind of bad that, Okay, it's racist because your eyes always jump to racism. But if you look at the situation, you have Lando who shows up in Darth Vader's there first. Not Lando doesn't show up. Han and Leia show up. And Lando is already in trouble because Darth Vader has already showed up with the Empire. He, he has no choice. He is one of the few characters we see standing up to Vader or attempting to. Saying, Vader, this is not part of the deal. This is not what we did. He tries to explain later that, look, I was forced in this situation. They showed up before you do. What could I do? What could Lando do in that situation? This is a very smart man trying to figure out 
what he can do in a situation where it's lose-lose. And he's trying to protect the people he's been placed over on Bespin. Because as he first said, we just made a deal that should keep the Empire away from us forever. In a situation where a random friend that he hasn't seen in a long time shows up and he's been promised that he will be kept alive and he will be protected. But he can protect the rest of his people as well as Leia and Chewie will be set free. Okay, I'll, I'll take that deal because I know it's not going to get any better. But the second it goes too far and he sees his friend being put in trouble, you can watch. And, you know, he is not okay with what's happening when Han's being frozen carbonite. He immediately has set into plan to be able to overtake the stormtroopers and get back Leia and Chewie and then leave. And then he's the first one there at Jabba's palace to help free his friend. This, this is just a good guy. This is a character that we can all understand. Anyone in that situation now would do the same thing. It's just complex storytelling. The character just happened to be black, but he's placed in an elevated spot. He's given respect throughout. He ends up blowing up the Death Star in the next, leading the entire rebellion in the space battle. Obviously, Admiral Akbar was the overseer, but actually in the dogfight going on. The only other person that we see that's able to kind of take over and fly the Millennium Falcon. Yes, of course it was his beforehand, but this is something that it was a character in the movie and it's given to uh, Lando. Versus Finn, as I've explained in his character, as someone brought up, even named after the Huck Finn novels, where he's kind of reversed with the black character in that. I can't remember, I think it's called like Slave Jim or something like that, that just kind of ferries along Huck Finn. And then they, they end up calling him Finn. And then what's his duty in these movies? To ferry people along. Oh, Ray, here's where we need to go here. Oh, Han and Poe, let me show you how to get here. Oh, Rose, let me show you how to get here. He doesn't actually really do anything that helps out people. Like... He's not actually a positive character. He's not successful in many things. He always needs someone else to help him. Now we're to the point where you've got the character that's this bumbling fool that was that mopped floors and is a coward running around and his only thing he focuses on is trying to chase around and get the white girl. Again, as you're saying, like this, you know, feminism and the racist kind of undertones underneath it, if you can even call it undertones. And then he goes and he's just having a conversation with someone and he says, ah, he must be a good thief if he took this ship. And she looks at him kind of pityingly and is like, really say that again. Say, say, and he's like, oh, which <laughs> contradicts the movie. Because in the movie, after this, they go in and that's when he talk, walks in and DJ's kind of opening up all the drawers. In the movie, he says, why are you stealing from your own ship? And he goes, because it's not your ship. <laughs> yeah, in the book, they just contradict it. And even when it gets to this point in the story, he doesn't ask that question. They just ignore it. They pretend it didn't happen. I mean, the movie may just be so bad Ryan can't rewatch it and he forgot he wrote that. I don't know. 
But it's just endless contradictions after contradictions. So she pities him. And then he begins to leave. <laughs> and she she starts to kind of laugh at him. She said she was able to hold in her laughter until he left so that she could uphold his dignity. See how weak they see these? I almost said these people, and that seems racist. <laughs> I don't want to be them. But you see how weak they see the black character? They see him as someone that's like, you know, they need to uphold their dignity. They need to hold back. And this is so just pathetic. How, how can you write about a character like this? How can someone that has any respect for someone write about someone like this? But you're, yet they're portrayed up as this high and mighty great situation. It's this, you know, fake diversity that they're trying to play with. Where they can put someone in all the ads and say, hey, look, okay, we don't have that many black people that watch Star Wars movie. The percentages are kind of low. Hey, look, Black Jedi. <laughs> Come watch it, Black Jedi. Which is what a lot of people have complained about. Where it was fairly sold to them. And I would have argued after The Force Awakens that, hey, they were just being smart and subverting and kind of hiding so they didn't give away too much in the original trailers. But now looking back with all the other things that's happened, you can kind of see like, no, nah, they might have been trying to just, you know, trick some people and say, hey, come here. We need a new audience. <laughs> we need some more people in. So we're going to fake like we care or we're trying to do something for you. Now, I didn't think it was the most amazing movie that was ever made. I thought it was pretty good. But look at Black Panther. Now, put Finn into Black Panther. Would he fit? Or would he look like a terrible example of someone from Wakanda? I mean, my favorite character by far in that movie was Killmonger. Is there any comparison? We have two soldiers trained their whole life. One being played by Michael B. Jordan, brilliantly amazing actor. And then you have Finn, who John Boyega is an amazing actor as well. So it's it's not a diss on him, it's a diss on the writers who's created him and given him the lines to do. I think John Boyega is a very talented actor. But, I mean, <laughs> let's be real. Put, put him in there, see how it fits. See how stupid he looks. Would he fit with any of the characters in Black Panther? And, and this is where this whole concept of this discussion that like people like me who hated The Last Jedi are just racist and sexist. Yet here I am talking positively about Black Panther, a far, far better movie than The Last Jedi. I mean, there's some issues here and there in the movie, but overall, it was really good. I give it like a B, somewhere around there. But you look at the fan... Voting and it's like it, it's like what I gave it. It's it's in the high B. It's like 88 or something like that. And then you know the sexist argument where you go to Wonder Woman and that's a high fan rating as well. Why? Because the characters are done well. It's the same thing. The fan love for Ahsoka Tana when she returns. So many people were excited that she returned in Rebels. I mean, it was everyone was excited. Now, why is this the case? If everyone is just threatened by women. 
it doesn't fit worth <laughs> the only threat is to terrible storytelling ruining what we love so Fanny continues to walk on and as he's walking on it's, it's what I mean it's just endless now, this is why I had to repeat this after doing a video prior about is Finn's characterization racist because it just continually rolls on and I won't because I know a lot of people aren't reading this. I want you to understand. I want all of you to understand that this is happening. That it's this bad. I mean. I hate discussing this crap. This is again as I have mentioned before. Why I'm doing a Star Wars channel. Because politics do not belong in Star Wars. And what I mean by politics. Is the politics of what's going on in the world now. The opening of the movie is a galaxy far, far away. This is a fantasy I'm going to be taken out. Now, if you want to put some universal type politics or political circumstances that are ongoing like we saw in the prequels, although I don't like the prequels, I think the overall outline was brilliantly, but it got bogged down in all of the minutia. But that's fine. That's fine. If you would have done a bunch of New Republic stuff, I would have been all for it. I loved actually the politics in the Clone Wars, the animated TV show on Netflix. Because the story was told a little bit better. So not that politics. I'm talking about our crap politics. I mean, fantasy film is to take you out of it. So you don't have to think about the crap. The endless news cycle that's running 24-7. And that's what I wanted to have on this channel. is just someone else to discuss and talk about those things. But here I am talking about that, and hopefully after I get done with this novel, I can move past it, because I don't want to continue it. But, as I said, it's so repetitive. It's so ingrained and forced down on top of you. That if I was reviewing this, and I didn't hammer it home as much, and I didn't cover it as well, then I would be just as much part of the problem. Not, not just as much. I, it would be a problem. I would have failed people that I'm reviewing this for. So he's, she is laughing as he walks away. She waited until he walked away so that she could uphold his dignity because he's so weak and pathetic that he needs her to uphold his dignity. Just as he needed her to teach him how to fly and her to calm him down so that he wasn't so afraid and her to teach him about what's going on at Canto Bight and why it's bad. And her to teach him what he needs to do as right or wrong. She needed... He needed her to stop him from running away and fleeing to protect the white girl. <laughs> oh my God. So he, he's walking and she makes a comment about how he must not have been trained to sneak around that, you know, or stealth. He must not have been treated, uh, trained how to, you know, be stealthy because he's just, you know, clomping around. <laughs> it's just, this is, it's terrible writing. So it's not like it's some great story thread that they're weaving here. It's just each and every turn. You know, and this is all coming from my video the day before about is fan a racist stereotype where it was even first, like it was just, this is just all continued. <laughs> it, if you want to know what Canto Bite was like, if you've seen the movie but haven't read the novel, just Canto Bite and imagine all of its terribleness and then just add in a real big taste of huge just gigantic servings of racism of looking down on black people as not really you know to the level of everyone else that that's what it is 
that Finn's just a fool. And this is where it rolls into him, you know, her thinking about, you know, poor Ray, that he's just following her around constantly, that the bumbling goof is, you know. And then she begins to think that, you know, and this is the thing where it's like, they say this at the end and it's like, oh, okay, see, I'm not, I, I'm not racist. I said this at the end. What, you ignored what I said over here. You, yeah, but this is all right here. I know what you said right here. The final thing is, this is where I mentioned where I, I said the porch Negro type thing. This, this is where it gets to this, where it's like, we've, we've said, we've got, we've been in her head. We know what she really thinks about this person. And then when it gets to the end, here's the superiority type thing of this new feminism. What is the intersectional, intersectional feminism where it's like, no, now we, we need to do, we need to make sure that we take care of everyone else, all the minorities that this, they need us. <laughs> it's just a whole nother level of racism, but they can't do it on their own. They need us. So then she's, begins to think about like, oh, well, you know, she's talking to her sisters. Like, my sister would probably, you know, tell me to take it easy on them. You know, ultimately, if you kind of, you know, think about it, you know, he, he actually probably has a good heart. He's probably a good person. <laughs> like, this makes it better. It, it's what it's what exactly what I said. <laughs> like, it's someone in like the whenever slavery was going on, being like, "I'm better than all of you," because you know, y'all view them this way, and I view them as dumb, bumbling, idiot fools that need to be taught everything and don't know how to get around and understand anything. But I think they're good. I think they have a good heart. Don't you? Don't you? No, no, go get me some food. Thank you. Thank you. Hurry. I mean, that's, that's what this is. That's what this is. Because your insane view, your insane view of how other people view minorities, in this case, black people, your insane view of how that is causes you to believe that we have just this absurd hatred which thank thank god black panther came out after this because it just disputed it completely high rating by the fans thank god it was good too because uh if it was bad then you know it could have been blamed on like oh racist people didn't want to see it but that's been disproven because the fan side is hugely up and then the money it's just making money like crazy I mean, I haven't looked too much into the money it's being made because I'm doing a Star Wars channel, but like from what I've heard, it's already over a billion and it's going to be passing The Last Jedi pretty soon. Man, all those racist rights. <laughs> it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. This is an argument that I was having with someone in the comments the other day where they're trying to say, no, this is, this is sexist. It was a Mary Sue argument. And uh, that it, it is sexist. Even though there's a Gary Stu, it's still sexist, which is insane to me. And so I explained, and he was he was talking about how if you know, if you're saying this isn't an issue, then you're just a blind idiot. Like, okay, it's an issue in a very small, very small minority. 
And the only time this minority gets a voice is when people that are pushing these things, like these feminists that need an example to show that, hey, look, here's the evils and here's why we're better. You take these very minuscule people that talk in this way or act this way or view people in this way and they promote them and show every single tweet or statement they make and when they're trying to get credit because they're trying to get people to look at them because no one pays attention to them no one listens to these idiots this is why i always say and this is what i said to the guy yesterday if someone wants to say something that's you know either racist or sexist let them <laughs> let them say it argue the points and show how foolish and stupid they are and leave it there so that everyone else can look and see, oh, that person's an idiot. Look, they destroyed them. But when you just say, oh, you're racist, you're sexist, shut up. Then it makes it seem like you can't defend against their point. Which then gives them more power. Because someone else that may not be able to put together the argument themselves for why that is actually wrong, may then agree with them. The attempt to silence them just gives them more of a platform and they argued that they were the ones that caused the fan rating to drop in Rotten Tomatoes for The Last Jedi because they were trying to find an excuse for it and so these people jumped up and said we did it we did it hey it was us we did it and so they were like everybody was like alt-right group destroys The Last Jedi fan rating on Rotten Tomatoes Rotten Tomatoes comes out and says no they didn't we can see it, that's not the case. And they're like, yep, shut up, shut up, shut up. We don't listen to you. <laughs> we want to ignore you here. Nope, shut up. And then, before Black Panther, you don't hear any talk about this. Now, but before Black Panther came out, this same group or same type of group said, hey, we're going to do the same to Black Panther. We're going we're gonna to boycott it, and we're going to screw up the fan rating. <laughs> What happened? They didn't do anything because they're nobodies. They don't have power. Just like there was no boycott or hatred or, you know, destruction of Wonder Woman. And you may be able to say, hey, I found this article by Salon that says that they did. Okay, they found 50 people in America that boycotted and hated on it. Stop focusing on the nothing. Because here's what, we're do here's what you're doing. You're focusing on nothing and you're pushing away people like me. Who's actually trying to just... I'm wanting good positive characters. I don't care about the color or the race. As I said, my favorite character in Black Panther is Killmonger. I mean, I connected with him brilliantly, which is probably saying something bad about myself. Uh, you know, I don't agree with everything with him, obviously. But just... I mean, if I was going to play a character in that movie, it would be him. But how could I connect with him? I'm I'm white. I'm clearly not from Oakland. <laughs> I mean, so how, how could I do that? My favorite character, as I mentioned before in Star Wars, was Asajj Ventress. How can I do that? I'm not a woman. You know, Kathleen Kennedy said girls couldn't connect to Luke Skywalker. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it just, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But then you create these characters that just aren't any good. No one likes Rose. No one likes Ray. 
Very few like Ray. I'll give you that. A few probably are like Ray. The problem is, is that they would love Ray if it was done well. Everyone always shouts to the rooftops whenever I discuss one of these videos. I don't bring it up as much because normal fans that may watch this that I'm you know, trying to reach out to with something like this. They don't know who she is. But Mary Jade was a character. Mara Jade, sorry. Mara Jade was a character in the Legends novels. A very strong character, very somewhat similar to Asajj Ventress. So if you don't want to read a book, but you want to watch a mo uh, show, start watching Clone Wars animated series on Netflix. Start around season three, because the first two seasons weren't great. Or just look up episodes that start with Asajj Ventress. Her intro in season one, episode nine, still one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. But... How can I connect with that? But this is what, you know, if you if you say that's the case, take Luke, who everyone pretty much unanimously loves, and give him a wife in Mar Jade, which is what happens in the Legends. Another powerful Force user. Make them where they're closely on even ground. Then we don't have to have this destruction of old characters. You just bring in a new female character. The problem is, is when you bring them in, you don't you don't create a story behind them. There's no depth to their characters. There's nothing to Ray. She doesn't have femininity. She doesn't really have a backstory. She's just kind of given everything. Like she's not really struggling. She doesn't have to learn anything. She is given her powers because she's being read. Her mind's being read, and then she's just able to read someone else's mind. So again, yeah, the, fem the, the strong female lead that you've been given has her powers because she just took it from a man without doing anything. So they, they had a divorce, and she got half of Kylo's, you know, powers. This is what like this is a character you created. You heard a short, abbreviated explanation of Asajj Ventress's character. And it gets much deeper with much more issues going on. I mean, her ups and downs of her life is just mind-boggling. Probably my favorite book in the new Star Wars canon is Dark Disciple, which is her story where she is actually training up a Master Jedi. I won't go into too much because I don't want to spoil it, but this is a female character training up a Master Jedi. And beating him pretty handily in a lot of things. And she's teaching him how to be better. And I can tell you one thing. I was never in that being like, ah, oh, this always trying to force down the woman. No, I've seen her journey. <laughs> that girl, she can beat anyone. I mean, I, I utterly adore Asajj Ventress. That's what I want. I want these characters to be great. I wanted Finn to be great. Why couldn't he be a killmonger type? This bad warrior kind of character that came was he was raised from, you know, a child to be this warrior. He was trained his entire life. It's all he knows. And he just, dude, you get him hand to hand with anybody and he's just going to whoop him. Why, why isn't that there? You're from talented, skilled, swagger guy to untalented, unskilled,
bumbling fool. But, you know, is that is that racist? Is this a problem we have here? It's a problem with most all of the characters. But you can see how the kind of the, the ideology kind of drips down from above with someone that might wear a forces female shirt. That's a white female brunette. Let me think through the characters real quick. Led by Ray, white female brunette. Led, led by Jen Erso, white female brunette. Uh, you got to have Han Solo, so he she's not the lead, but another white female brunette. I mean, you tell me. That's essentially chapter 22. I'm sure I've ran on quite a long time and still probably didn't really cover everything that needs to be covered in this. But that's just this chapter. And again, if you haven't seen my prior video with the Is Finn a Racist Stereotype, please go watch it. If you want to skip to just that part, it's around, I say it at the beginning of the video, or it's got a, you know, pop up in the middle of the video or if you just want to skip to just that it's there like around 27 minutes in it's worth it you need to know that this is happening this is yet another just constant flaw or failure that even what they're being praised for by people about their diversity is a failure the problem is this let's stop focusing on those things and let's focus on good quality characters that's what needs to be focused on get the best actors Put them in their roles and give them a great character and lines to play. Why not? I mean, I don't see how it's that hard to do. And I promise you, it would be a much better thing for everyone. Disney would make more money. The fans would be more happy, would be happier. <laughs> and if you create some characters that are really good, like Amara Jade. Or again, some of the characters that I mentioned in Black Panther, if you're wanting to put in a black character, fine, but make them good. Anyways, I look forward to hearing all of your thoughts and opinions down below. I'm about two-thirds of the way through this novel, and so it's getting near the wrap-up point. Uh, thank you, as always, for watching, and never forget you nerf herders. I love you.